And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to episode 21. XXI. What WrestleMania is this? 21. 20. <laughs> Fair enough. Is this when you start to uh, taper off with the, the Super Bowls? I'm not Super Bowls. The uh, WrestleManias are? Uh, yeah, I think. Because um, this, this is the Super Bowl where uh, Phil Simms, New York Giants, took it all home. This is true. Cool. I, I, I want to say this is. L.A.? Is it L.A.? I want to say it's L.A., but I'm not 100% sure. What are we going to do? I mean, I know we said Super Bowls, but it's like at a certain point. Hollywood. It was it was 21 was Hollywood. Okay, so we're in L.A. Sweet. So looks like uh, there was a, a Triple H with a title belt, but a very young Batista, Kurt Angle. I don't know. It says WrestleMania 21 goes Hollywood. Those are pretty cool, like, commercial where all the guys kind of did, like, a movie... Kind of, oh, is that what that was? Yeah, it was really cool. Sounds it. <laughs> like they, they each did like a scene from like a movie. It was like like the Undertaker did like Dirty Harry. It was really. Was interesting. he in his like bat like American badass stage at this point? Well, I mean, he was wearing a wig and he looked like Dirty Harry. Is this real life? Does this really happen? This really happened. All right. After the, this ends, I'm definitely going on YouTube and seeing if I can find sound. <laughs> not because I want to see it. I don't believe you. I don't think this is a thing. I don't lie about wrestling. Fair enough. So who do we have on the podcast today? We have Steve Reno on the podcast today. I mean, talk about a guy who has kept scrapbooks oh my and scores God. and everything. Even Bob Lee said that that's a guy that, you know, he was so astonished at the amount of information that, that, that he had. Yeah. It, so. it, he was just like, oh, I decided to keep all this stuff. I mean, he brought in, like... It was like two boxes. Can I tell you, in all honesty, and I'm not just saying this because he's the guy on the on the podcast for today, and I know there's so many people that uh, are admitted from the Hall of Fame. That's my guy. That's my guy that isn't in the Hall of Fame that I think should be in. He's 100%. my pick. So if I, if I could put one person in, uh, it would be Severin. And I know he said his pick would be his dad. He said before he got mm-hmm. in. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so so many good stories, and unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to touch on all of them in one podcast. So this is one that we may have to have him uh, come back. Oh, definitely, 100%. So we'll get Steve in here, and we'll be back with Spare Thoughts. Steve, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing wonderful. Danny, it's good to see you. Likewise. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Oh, of course. It's nice to be thought of. Oh, of course. As I tell a lot of people, we have that list going. You're one of the guys that was on the top of that list. So Yeah, it's been pretty good bowling here on Wednesday night, so I get to see you guys. Yeah. Filling in for Stu Bergman. Uh, Stu, I hope you have a speedy recovery, buddy. We miss you. (laughs) No. You keep bowling while while he's recovering. Yeah, we've been doing well as a team. Yeah. De- Des been bowling well. She's been us. bowling well. You inspired uh, Death to throw six marks in my face. You know, so so they'll, they'll keep using me, I guess, <laughs> until we start losing. They right? might just tell us to, never mind, we got a guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, now how, that's it. How is that now? Like, you know, after how many years, you know, you're bowling with Dead again. It, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it really has. I got to see that a little bit. Last year, he filled in on our Monday Night League. Uh, well, he didn't fill in. He, he, he jumped in like halfway into the season, so I got to see him. 
and then uh, having them reach out to me to fill in. It's been great, and he bowled one day on my world's team. Uh, we, I call it the world, but the, yeah. the, the the team event that we just had. It's got like seven different names. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm so I just started calling, calling it the big the tournament up Alita. But that filled in for a day, and it was an honor and just a privilege to be able to cheer for him. Yeah, because he was such a great champion through his his time bowling, you know. And this, that must have sparked some you know memories for him too. I hope so. I hope he had a good time. I know you know I know we all would like to bowl a little bit better. I mean. That's uh, right around 68, I think. Yeah. He's still throwing a great ball. This, he and, has, and he still scores well, and he still comes up clutch. I think he had the high average in the house last year, didn't he? Was it him or Doucette? Uh, maybe Doucette. But it was, uh, he's definitely top three as far as average in this house. So. Yeah, right, right. So, but if you, you ask know. him, I mean, he's nowhere near where he well, wants to right. be. And that's what he'll tell you. Well, he's exactly. not at 128. He's awful. But I thought he did great, you know. <laughs> It's not easy to, to bowl in that event. There's a lot of pressure. You, you want to do good for your teammates. You yeah. don't want to let them down. No, of course so not. There's always a little added pressure there when you're bowling in the team event. But uh, he did great. You know, and I, I love that. He's, he's one of my close friends through the years. We've had, uh, we bowled against each other in the 1989 uh, singles. Uh, it was on Channel 5 that year. We qualified at, at Fair, uh, not Fairway, but at Pilgrim Lanes. And I had the bowl debt in the first match. And I think that alone brought a friendship yeah. that we've had all these years. So it's pretty good. That's the thing on the lanes. Like there's, you know, the Boudreaux, no handshakes and everything else from that era. Yeah. But, you, you know, and we had Tommy Olstall as well. And he talked about even though there were these fierce rivalries on TV, a lot of those friendships, like people were very close off the lanes in many ways, too. Where you, if you watch the match closely, you'll see a guy, you know, if a guy makes a great shot, he'll he'll respond to it. Yeah. He'll say hey, something. But the high-fiving wasn't, wasn't yeah. part of it. But at the end of a string, the guy might shake your hand and say nice string, right? Yep. And that's as far as it went. You know, you're not really rooting the other guy on. Uh, you know, that's the, the name of the different. game is, is to beat him, <laughs> right? You know, but well, even you today, watch, I think people are going up and giving advice of like, you know, if you cut the five into the, I, at least we don't have that yet where the people are coaching the other player against them. We haven't got yeah, that far yet. I don't think we've got that far yet. <laughs> not in the big situations, no. anyways. They keep it between the teams. Yeah, I try to tell people just put it in the left gutter. You should be fine. Yeah. Well, that you know, you want, that's the way it was back in the beginning, anyways. That you know, the Canadians would like to throw a rib, rib on you a little bit. You know, get on you and see and see how you would handle it. Yeah. And uh, and they would say that. You know, I like you know, I like that left. You know, that left wood over there. You know, and you're playing the ten. What you're playing you, the ten pin on the right. What did Chesco say? You know, you know, that pin's looking real small. Yeah. Over there, Dave. So, oh yeah. It's so. You know, we 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 caught some of that when we started, you know. Uh, and then I, through the years, I think there's, there's just a mutual respect for each yeah. other. And, and, you know, everybody has a passion for the game. And I think that's appreciated by everyone. Now, how did you get your start in Candlepin as a whole? Were you a youth bowler? I, I, I grew up at the Hippodrome Lanes in Southbridge, Mass. on Ashland Ave. Tommy Olsen managed the place. Al LaBelle was the owner. He, he, I believe he, uh, the, the bowling alley was given to him through his father when his father passed away. His father was the best. Al LaBelle Sr. was the best. He, he would play his trumpet. <laughs> you could walk in there any time, and if he was in there, he would play, be playing his trumpet. And, and Al liked to swear a lot. 
And uh, Jeremy, you used to run this place. Why don't you ever play the trumpet? <laughs> he was a great man. I was more of a drummer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I grew up with some of the best bowlers in the game. Angie DiDonato, Jerry Minard. Jerry Minard had the high single on WCBC Pro Tour for a little while, you know, back back in the day. Bernie Duhamel did a little bit bowling out of the hip on the Friday Night League. Uh, you know, we had some really great bowlers back then. The Zernikes would come to the Friday Night League. The Friday Night League was the league, like, you know, the yeah. league to bowl in. And all the, all the big names would, would be there. And I, I would go watch my father. And I don't know why my father put me in a league, you know, at 13 years old, because I know he knew I liked bowling before that. And I, I don't know when the leagues actually started at the Hippodrome Lanes, how far back it goes. But when I started, it was strictly boys, and the girls would bowl in the afternoon. And uh, and there wasn't, you know, obviously enough of us, yeah. a lot of us, to, to do that. And I got to grow up. Tommy was there, and he would he would give you some advice. And I kind of learned bowling pretty much on my own, just by watching. Yeah. You know, I because uh, I would go down and watch. very similar, just watching. Uh, so, so I had my own style. Nobody ever said do four step, do yeah. three. So I had my own delivery, and I just perfected it through the years. Uh, you know, repetition, doing it over and over, and encouragement. Got always got a lot of encouragement. We had some we had some real nice people that worked with the kids back then. Take us to the take us up to Portsmouth in November for the yep. kids tournament that they have up there we had we, we had a nice group of people and we had some very talented young bowlers too and the big name the big name when I was coming up was Rico Baldinelli he was the kid to be yeah that was the name that's the that's the kid you wanted to be Rico and uh, you know Baldinelli family right <laughs> synonymous with the game of candlepins so uh, he was the he was the kid to be and Bobby LaBelle that bowled out of Southbridge Bobby was a, a fine three-step delivery nice delivery uh, and that's where I got my st start and I you know I bowled in the hip I was bowling three nights a week and it got up to five nights one year Jeez. I bowled all, all five nights Monday through Friday with Thursday night being in Munson now it was around 1984, so I was 20 years old, and that's when I really, really started getting into it. And I think that's about when Tommy asked me to, to bowl my first tournament. He yeah. said, Steve, you want to come, come with me? It's a Thanksgiving tournament. It's at uh, Academy Lanes, and it's 10 strings. It's, and that was my first first tournament, so I was about 20 years old. and. Uh, and I, and I did good. I was doing good after five strings, and then the second five I fell apart. <laughs> and that was it. But that was my first tournament. Tommy got me into it. And, uh, and I just started bowling a little bit more ever since. So was Tommy the guy that kind of brought you in? Yeah. I, 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 well, you know, I watched my father, too. I got to watch my father in the state championships a couple of times. Uh, you know, Dad, Dad took some time off from bowling. Dad was a great bowler. He bowled through the 60s, and then when he had... When he built his own home with his brother, they built it themselves. He, and my sister was born, she's six years younger than me. Dad took some time off from bowling. And he came back in the, in the mid to mid 70s, uh, he came back and started bowling again. And then that's, pro that's probably why I, I didn't bowl in a league earlier, because he wasn't bowling. So when he started bowling again, that's when I got into the junior program. But, uh, 
Uh, what, what was I trying to say here? But uh, talking about like Tommy bringing you up, your dad. Yeah, yeah. Somebody so you know, so uh, I had, I definitely had both of them. Tommy's a good friend of mine, and I consider him the greatest killer pinballer of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't go back to the '40s. Charlie Jutras era, Roly Blondin would be a big name from Worcester. You know, Charlie Mylan is very highly uh, beloved in Maine. Uh, you know, all, all I know is is what I've seen through the years when I grew up. And I was going to say too, with your dad being such a great bowler, like, did you get a lot of those stories as well growing up? Of like, here's the guys you got to watch out for. Here's the guys that are good, and some stories as well from a young age. Dad would tell me about Tommy. Yeah. You know, that was you know this is you know this is the guy. You know, Dad would say, uh, tell me stories where here here I am bowling. A 13-year-old kid, and I'm having a hard time beating him <laughs> yeah. in the league, you know, because he was so good at such a young age. But uh, you know, Tommy's just—I—I I, seen him hit 200 here in, in Mills. Yeah, we so I mentioned you. Yeah. That we to need. You guys. We asked him to get us a picture because he said I he has he it does. somewhere. I hope he does. It deserves the recognition, yeah. you know. And, and I know and you guys said it before, appreciate it. Uh, Jay Cook has the current official record, if you want to call it that, right now. Yeah. And every time we we mention it, he always says unofficial because he knows that Tommy has the 200, and as soon as he can find it, I've seen a couple of his 200s. I kept score for his 500. We were on the same summer league that year. And I kept score. I was that was the first score week, right? In Worcester? When he hit 500. I don't remember what week it was, but I do remember the 500. I think Brennan said he had to go in like the following week with like some crazy average because yeah. it was early in the now, season. When when Tommy hit his 200 here, did you say your father threw a 180 like right yeah, next door? Yeah, Dad had a 186. I have it. As a matter of fact, it's in the books. I brought you guys some binders tonight so you if have you wanted date? to see. But I have, I have the date. Okay, I have. so that's, we're getting even closer. We're getting closer, Baby uh, steps. Jake, to getting your 190. It should, the hell out of know, it should be in the paperwork that I have with me tonight, actually, you know, WCBC Pro Tour yeah. event. It was uh, December was always a, a mixed doubles event that they had, Christmas event. And, uh, yeah, Tommy was 200. Seen a couple of them. He's, was, he's just amazing. Wasn't you know? that the story what he a, said? What a story he has. Was, it was a 10-stringer that he threw it in, I think he said? It was a 10-stringer. And then he went yeah. and bowled at Sammy White's afterwards, and he said he was bowling so, did. so bad at the first five that he said he wasn't yeah, good. Yeah, he's like, ah, I don't want to go to Sammy White's. And then all of a sudden, his yeah. back five, he went off. And, yeah, I thought we hit 700. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go to Sammy White's. And he said he ended up going. And he owned Sammy White's. Uh, you know, he did very well out of Sammy White's. He loved bowling there. Yeah. You imagine you know. anybody today bowling a ten stringer driving? I and mean, then Sammy White had to be what forty five, fifty minutes. Yeah, he bowling another ten. But that's what they. There that's was, what the guys did. Yeah, there was that much bowling back then. There was always something to bowling. It was. It was. You had something every weekend. Whether it was a TV roll off, uh, you know, there was always something to bowling. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was very blessed. I caught the I caught the end of a great a great period of bowling. Yeah. You know, where the numbers were big, and the talent was phenomenal. You know, I think Tommy Tommy's on. You know, I said Tommy's my favorite, besides my father. You know, if I have a Mount Rushmore <laughs> of bowlers, my father, my son Stephen. 
Tommy, I don't know who I'd put, put else with, with those three. I was doing commentating but, for one of the um, Chicha matches, and your son, was he was shouldn't have been in the, in the top two, except for his last game, he went off. I think he threw a double in there. I remember he threw yes, the double and right. flexed afterwards. Yeah, right. He fires that. that ball. Yeah, he throws it hard. I guess he got it's a little bit way, better from uh, that. My father threw it. It's the way I used to throw it. Uh, it was throw it hard as you can. Every ball, every box. There was there was never ever consideration of oh, I'm going to slow it down today. Yeah. Throw it hard as no you change can. ups, Bobby. If you're listening, every, you know every. I mean, if every you can ball. do it and be yeah. accurate, I I was never able to. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I'm not getting in the third crown of my son. I, I, he's done very well for himself. Yeah. Uh, you know he was he was runner up in the world championship singles event a few years back against I think it was Matt McPhee from the Wafu Pirates. So what oh, a team. I remember the Wafu those, Pirates. Those guys got an amazing team <laughs> up there, and, and you know any one of those guys on that team could could be the world singles champion. But just watching him in that match, like I said, he was all but out of it. And then all of a sudden ripped off, I want to say it was 15 boxes where he yeah. just couldn't miss and he made some clutch shots to put himself in the next round of the Chicha. So. He's done well, yeah. you know, and it, you know, there's not a lot of great, you know, there's not a lot of big events to bowl in as much now as there was back in that, that era. Uh, you know, and I really, I'm a firm believer the more you bowl, the better you can be. You know, yeah. back in the day, everybody bowled two or three nights a week. I mean, when I was bowling five nights a week, it was only $5 to bowl. Yeah. So for, for the five weeks, it cost me 26, 27 bucks. And then you hit a couple of jackpots. You know, you throw three marks in a row, four marks in a row, and it didn't cost you as much to bowl. Yeah. Now it's 25 to 50 bucks. <laughs> I was about for, to say, now it's going to cost you 100 bucks you know, to bowl for the week. So it's harder for people to bowl. And then, then you add in your pools. Yeah. Right. The guy that owned the bowling alley, one of the owners here who retired, PJ, what did he used to say every time somebody would come? I used to go bowling and it was 50 cents a game. And he'd be like, yeah, and cigarettes were a nickel. Things change. Yeah. <laughs> Things change. <laughs> but it can be expensive. Yeah. No, they add up. They for sure add up, too. You know, so. I mean, even the TV roll-offs. You know, again, they, they were probably uh, $10 or something. Yeah. You know, and every, everything's 50 bucks or more now, it seems. Yeah. Well, I, th I think the Channel 50 roll-offs, when I started getting into them, were 25 25 And that's not bad. No. That's not bad at all. You know, it, that's, a, that's a good price. Believe in our tournament. People can afford that. Yeah. We, I'll run the bear. We started at 30 and I think we're up to like 50 or 60 bucks, depending on if it's scratching. What a great show, and you guys do a great job with that. <laughs> that's all my, that's, that's all Kate. But uh, everybody looks forward to those events. They're a lot of fun. That's how you have to get the people in, is people are chasing the money at this yeah. point. So, and we've been fortunate with that. But go, going back into to that, when did, you said your first big tournament was that Thanksgiving tournament up at Academy. When did you start to get the itch that, you know, you're, you're pretty good at this thing and maybe you can take it to that next level of being one of the elites. It was it was that it was that year that I bowled the five nights. I had I think I had about forty four hundreds that year, and uh, my father had made me a plaque. I had I think I had thirty four hundreds at the hip, and then I had another ten in months in that year. Um, and that's when my average went from, you know, say a 120 to a 128. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up there. My average is up there with, you know, all the other better bowlers in, in the area. And uh, and I continue to do that, for, uh, that, that average 
from a, from 84 through uh, 92 until I hurt my shoulder. I held a pretty good average. Had a couple of years with a 130, 131. Can you imagine? Uh, I, I know there's no video on this, but Jeremy's face right now. <laughs> well, I heard from a lot of people that that late 80s to early 90s stretch, there wasn't anybody better than you. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of opinion, but that's an opinion yeah. many hold that you were you were one of, if Thank not you. the guy, one of the guys. <laughs> I, you know, I did very well for myself. I had a nice little stretch in there where I did. I, I just bowled really, really well. I in eighty in eighty nine. I was the runner-up on the WCBC tour by two pins to Danny Gallant. I threw a spear in the last box with a spread eagle on it for a four-fill, and I lost Bowler of the Year by two pins. Oh, I won the event. That's the only WCBC tour event that I had won. That was in Londonderry. And I repeated the same thing the following year. And I, again, it, was, it came down to the last stop in Londonderry, and, and Ulster outbowled me. He threw over 1,300. And he took home the bowler of the year on his. So I had, so in 89 and 90, I had those back to back. And I was also the all events runner up both those years for the states, <laughs> for the Massachusetts State Championships. Was it and, Craig uh, that was runner up over and over and over again until he finally cracked through a few years too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he had a state where he couldn't break through and he's like, I don't think I'm ever going to win this thing. Well, I think he said he lost a debt by one pin, I thought. Yeah, there's, <laughs> that's tough. I mean, you know, single pin, are you, you're bowling how many, how many yeah, strings, exactly. how many events over the course say, of the season. You have to pick, you can, how many times can you pick one pin out of 60 oh strings God. that you just bowled? It's yeah, not like it's, you know, it's not like today where people did I know. get mad one box? Yeah, did I throw a ball away. You know, that's very that very easily could happen, and I recommend not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to try for every pin all the time, and I've learned a lot through the game on when to when I have to play a spare shot and when it's time that a ten box. Is, is the shot. Mm -hmm. It's not the spear. So that's actually something to get to 10. Something Brian Fournier taught me as well. And my average did go up a little bit after that, but he told me every leave I have, he's like, you're always shooting the spare when it's a very low percentage shot. Right. And he said, like, it's a good example, like if you have the 1 6 10 on, um, let's say even on your third ball, I'm always trying to cut the 1 into the 6 10. And finally he told me, he's like, just go for the 6, just get the easy two pins. He's like, you're more likely to miss the head pin altogether and leave a 7 up there. Mm -hmm. He's like, you do that every ball. You're gonna up your average two, three pins a game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get, trying to get that count. Yeah. Pinning is huge. Yeah. It's huge. But like going back to your earlier question, it was that one year that that led up led up to me feeling okay. I'm now I'm ready. I'm gonna try out for the WCBC tour. Yeah. And I did it alone. My father didn't do it that year. And I and I felt lost that first year because I was alone mm -hmm. and I wasn't friends with all the yeah. great bowlers yet you know I'm just a I'm the rookie I'm just coming into the game I didn't I didn't do a lot of bowling in the state championships I never really had a partner uh, in in the early 80s uh, it didn't it didn't happen for me till I really pursued it when I when I got better and I felt I could compete uh, which was right around 85 or 86 and my father in 85 had won the state singles title and he was he came in third back in 78 or 79 he lost to uh, Jeff Surrett's dad you know another great family of, of yeah. bowlers the Surrett's 
you know, you had the Sargents and uh, the Baldinelli's and the Romani's and some great, great families out there. But uh, Dad had won the singles in 85, and I was lucky enough to win it in 86 out at State Bowl in Springfield, Massachusetts. I heard that was a tough house. It was a tough house, but that's where I did some of my best bowling. That's where I, I had my 180, 150, 180 was on a pro tour. My first three strings, I went 345. My next three strings, I hit about 515 or so. Oh, <laughs> so and I won, I won the, the event. I won the event over Scott Whitney. So then after Dad won in 85 and I won in 86, uh, we won the doubles in 87. Took a little stretch. Right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, that we're good. That one hits home. So I don't think it was a, another. So, I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. Take your time. Do you want to water or anything? No, no, okay. no. It was special. And I don't know if there was another father son that could say that they accomplished that. And then in 1990, we won. Well, I think I get this emotional. <laughs> but in 1990, we won the, the world teams together. We, we did pretty good together, you know, and it was a, it was like Kevin McHale would say with the Celtics and use an expression he used, it didn't last long. It was a short run, but it was great. Yeah, right. happened. And, I and was, nobody can take that away from you. I was blessed to, to, to do a few special things, to make a little noise on Channel 5, uh, to bowl with my dad. Yeah ball with my son a little bit now. I only wish I was as good as I was back then with my son to maybe win a little something with him. Right. That's the only thing I'm missing in my game right now at, as I come to the end because I'm actually struggling with my game now. But, uh, you know, to bowl with Steven and win something special would, would mean the world to me. But uh, but it was it was a great, great little era for me. You know, it was a lot of fun. And, and I got to see some of the greatest bowlers do some special things. I was about to say, to do it in that era with you know, all those guys. And that's it. I was in my early 20s. So I was 24, 25, you know, through the mid mid to late 80s. I was born against Peter Flynn and Gary Carrington and Tommy. These guys were in the prime of their careers. Right. You know, in 87, when I first went up to the Worlds, I was in Moncton. And John Miller was my friend. I became friends with John Miller, and John was uh, Jeff Atkins' partner out in Springfield for many years. They had the world record for a while. And I became friends with John, and John invited me to his room after bowling one night. And I walked into that room, and there they were, the world championship team in their prime, young, early 30s. You know, Peter Flynn, Gary Carrington, Bobby Kelly, you know, Joe Ashland. I don't know, actually, I don't think Joe was there that year. Um, I'm not sure if Joe was there that year or not. But it was just wow, you know. For me, it was the wow factor because I've always been a big fan yeah. of the bowlers, big fan of Danny Murphy's. Uh, God bless Danny. We love you and we wish you the best. Danny was spectacular, you know, for a while. He, Man, uh, ball of knowledge that guy has rattling it, around in his head. It was I a know. special time because yeah. the numbers were just great. I mean, you think Massachusetts had tons of bowling alleys and all those leagues. Uh, 
there were so many great bowlers that came up. Yeah. You know, I was really lucky to, to catch catch that. You know, and I got to see Stacia towards the end. And, uh, you know, I got to see Tommy. Tommy and Stacia, I mean, that's, there's your Mount Rushmore right there. Yeah, you Helen, know, those two bowlers. Helen always told me, I never had the pleasure to meet Stacia. Helen always you told me. You never got to meet her, I really, never got Jeremy. to meet her. Wow. And she, she always said that, that Stacia, she said, oh, you would have loved her. She was, she was the nicest lady ever. She was, and, just, she was, she was a sweetheart. And she would, she would give you advice in the kindest ways and, uh, and support you and encourage you. And, she she was she was a, just a really nice person. Uh, what a great great competitor! I I recently seen some video. Somebody put some video up, and you got to see her room, the the the, yeah. the high low jack room. Yeah. Oh my God, the trophies were insane. <laughs> it well, was crazy. Well, you were actually you know? before we uh, started recording. You were telling me a story about was it your aunt? My Aunt June, uh, my Aunt June, my father's sister, she was a very, very good bowler in the 60s. And she missed Stacia's record. She hit over 400 one night. She missed Stacia's record by a couple pins. It was so big back then that somebody called Stacia and told her that June Reno just missed your record. And Stacia went and called the bowling center and said, can I speak with June Reno? And praised June and congratulated her on, on, on her wonderful score. That's the type of lady stage. That's all. Awesome. And the fact that the news traveled that quick back yeah. then. Oh, right. there's no Facebook. It was, right. They get no, tweeted out. No, you got a call. Hey, yeah. you know, just hit 426. Hope they're home. Miss your record. <laughs> I know, right? Now, when, when was your first TV appearance? Uh, 85. It's on YouTube. It's a double show. We lost to Don Richmond and Steve Popolo. Dad and I. Dad and I bowl on Channel 5 doubles five times. We lost all five times. Ouch. One time was one one time was a heartbreaker. Uh, there was a couple times we bowled well. We hit over 260, 264. We lost to the Morgans. We lost to Joe Tavernese and Tom Senemi. Uh, you bowl the Zernikes? We didn't bowl the Zernikes. We missed them by a week because the Morgans oh. beat us. And the Morgans, the video is actually up on YouTube where the Morgans bowl the Zernikes. So it was the two weeks in a row there was family matches going on. So I said, so I got on Channel Five in 80s, uh, 87. Took me another year and a half or so. And I bowled uh, Danny Lasco, and I won with a 390. And then I bowled Johnny Miller, my friend Johnny Miller. I hit 400, and then I lost to Dick O'Connell with a 390-something. Wow. Dickie hit 400, and I got called for a lob that match, and it cost me a spear. And I, that, you know, when you go back, if I had that spear, I might have been able to beat Dickie O. But you, if you go back in history, that's where Dickie O took off, and that's where right. he qualified for the true value. And he, he, that's where he just became a like. Now, not an overnight sensation because Dickie O in the bowling community was has always been great, but he just owned Channel Five for a little while there. Like that late eighties. Yeah, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he beat. We, Jeremy and I talked about this. You know, he won three true values, and he beat Tommy, Peter Flynn, and Gary Carrington. It's a good trifecta. I mean, Gary Carrington's another one that I would put on my my personal model right more with Stacia and Tommy. Gary Carrington was amazing. He had a great television career as well as uh, a championship career. He won eight team titles, eight world team titles. 
he won the singles event a couple times. If, if, you know, again, if I'm going to do a Mount Rushmore like everybody else. I mean, talk about a fierce competitor, Gary too. Carrington would get my vote. And, and he only gets my vote over Peter Flynn because Peter Flynn got sick for a little while. And he would... Uh, and Peter took time off from bowling, and then he came back, and he, you know, it was never the same. He moved down south for a little bit, didn't he? Yes, he did, and I think it was because of uh, he was getting treatment and stuff down right. there at the time for, you know, for what he was battling. Uh, so because, and you know, I, I could put Craig Holbrook. There's you know, so many. There. Yeah. There's so many, and then you got the guys now is Charette and Baker. And and now you got the new you got Boudreaux and you got now you got Daly we're gonna be able to yeah. talk about for so years. Can we no longer call him up and coming. No, no, I think he's here now. I think after, he's here to stay. Yeah. After the showing he put out last week. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Josh Daly did the Invitationals, Worlds, big tournament, whatever you want to call it, and it may have never been done at Worlds. And I know the Canadians weren't there. And we were talking about it before the show. He won the singles event. He had the high average for the tournament. His team took home the whole. Thing. Old Enchilada, they won it all. <laughs> so, and, he had, and he had a four, that, that 470 in one of those playoff matches. Semifinals, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. he was just lights out. And he throws, you know, he's to me, he's like a cross between Ashline and Flynn. But but he's his own man, you know. He, 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 his three-step delivery is his own delivery. Yeah. It, it is different. It's not the exact same. Uh but he throws one hell of a ball. He's got a good career in front of him. One of the stories I've told a few times on the podcast, uh, and I don't know if you, you heard it, but bowling him at Exeter, the short version of the story is he had bowled nothing excellent. Uh, he had beaten me, surprise, and then came off the lanes after he had a mini meltdown, which, you know, he, all young guys do. Even sure, He went over sure. to Craig and said, what are some things you think I can do to adjust to get better? And to be that young, to be that good, it's easy to say, I'll figure this out on my own. But it said he went to one of the game all-time greats. Right. Right. And said, "That's what do you my think? advice. He, he did. He, he chose one of the best guys to so go he's, see. He's always looking to get better, and that's when he when you know we had COVID, and then we when we had the the team championships up in Portsmouth last year. From last year to this year is like he's got the wow factor going yeah. on right now. It's just oh my god, he has improved in this last year." Wait till the Canadians see him. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait till the Americans and, right. and, and introduce I mean, and, him. And his demeanor has, you know, has improved too. Yes, he's I mean, going to make it hard for them. Cheech doesn't have to, to win, stomp on his foot to anymore. Win titles moving forward. <laughs> yeah. and we got a lot of great Canadian bowlers up there. Yeah, that can compete. They're amazing yeah. bowlers. But he's, it's going to be fun introducing Daly to them. He, he, he's got a great future in front of him. I do. Speaking of Canadian bowlers, we actually had uh, Calvin had a question. I don't know if you mm. saw it. What, what, how is it, you know, growing up in that late 80s, bowling in that era, moving on to, like, say, the Baker, kind of like the era I came up in, and then to now? Like, what, how is it bowling, bowling in each of those eras? You, you, always have to, you always have to beat the best to win any event. Mm -hmm. So, and we still have guys that can, that can, could bowl in any era. You know, Baker could bowl in any era. Oh, Sarah absolutely. could yeah. bowl in any era. And that, that was an argument that you know, I made. Boudreaux and, and now Daly, you know, he's going to, he's going to move, moving forward. We're going to be talking about him. Uh, you know, you know, you always, all the eras, all these years, you always have guys 
these are the guys you gotta be. It's just the numbers are a little different yeah. now because we've lost so many centers and people retired, they stopped bowling uh, for whatever reasons. And the numbers, uh, it's just the numbers are different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That was an argument I had made, I think a couple years ago, we were talking about like the bowlers of this era against the bowlers of any other era. And I said, if you go five on five, and this was my opinion, I said, I think they could compete against any absolutely. era. Absolutely. I said, I think it's when you get to like the 20th and the 30th bowlers, that's where you start to see that big Correct. cliff where there's just not as many of them. Correct. Right. But you, I think you'd, you'd have much more, you'd have a lot more guys that were averaging. You know, it's just the numbers. Yeah. It was just more bowlers. That's all it was. More guys coming out of Lynn. More guys coming out of the East Boston area. More guys coming out of Western Mass. It was just more, more numbers. Yeah. So that's the only difference. But you still have the great talent. You still have great teams. Great, great champions that that could bowl in a, any era. Yeah, and I think we you could know. put a, five guys together today that could go into a time machine right. and absolutely at least put up a fight against any group. Absolutely. No. There's no doubt about it. Now, you were saying a little bit earlier also, you were part of that team that went 86-2. and two. I was blessed to be on that team. I was almost not on that team. And I was. I had reached out to my old teammate, Dick O'Connell, uh, to bowl with those guys. But those guys, I think, had like eight bowlers already. And Dickie was going to allow me to come on the team anyways. And, you know, he told me, he said, Steve, I, you know, I don't know how much bowling you're going to do. And this is after I was hurt. So I had my average when I got hurt went, went down to about 102, 103, because I really did some damage to my shoulder. And it took me some time to get it back up. And I was what I was doing was I was bowling with Ulster in, in the Monday Night League at American. And so Ulster saw me progress. And those guys needed a bowler. Somebody, somebody backed out. I don't know who it was. It was probably Jackie Ray. I, yeah, Jackie Ray wasn't there. I'm going to say it was, it was Jack, but Tommy put in a word for me. I was averaging 111. So I went back to Dickie. I said, Dickie, do you? No hard feelings, you know, I'm gonna get a chance to bowl. They're gonna use me, I'm not gonna ride the bench. So I ended up bowling with Tommy, and the, the world record we hit, 21-39, ended up being against Dickie's team. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of all, uh, is, the way it would, is the way it turned out to be. But uh, we went 86-2, and two. we lost one string, we hit about 590-something till the, till the Elmwood Alligators. It was Jerry Nickerson's team, uh, Abby McGregor. I looked it up so I'd have that info for you. And uh, that was the only string we lost in. Uh, well, it wasn't the only string. We, we lost that string, and then we lost the first string in the playoffs to Chiefs team. Craig uh, Holbrook, Paul Berger. Yeah. We bowled them in the semifinals. They had won it the year before, so they were the defending champs. And we ended up, uh, I bowled Danny Myrick. I had, I, I went, I, I was averaging 111 at American. I ended up averaging 130 that week. I don't know where it came from. I couldn't tell you because after that, I started to, my started to go downhill. I, my average started to decline. I don't know how the heck I averaged 130 that week. I think it just because everybody bowled so well, it just there was never any it, pressure. There was no pressure. And I think it just it just rubs off. Actually, I averaged 140 for the week. Oh my God, That's just he was dumb. A, he was a beast. <laughs> that's so dumb. Uh, Do you know if somebody told me that, I would say that's wrong. It wasn't you. It if was somebody said if somebody said a bowler bowl averaged 140 at Worlds and it was more than like five strings, I would say that didn't happen. 
That was the best bowling that I had ever seen uh, by anybody at the Worlds. I'd never seen anybody in the time that I've gone to be able to watch somebody average 140 for the yeah. week. That to put that in perspective, insane. to put that in perspective again for anybody listening, Josh Daly had the high average, and again, not poo-pooing the average at all. He averaged one twenty-five, so go fifteen pins on top of that. And it was a fast house. I mean, yeah. it was known to be tough. This was a fast house. I mean, he, Joe wasn't the only guy with an insane average. It was a few one thirties. Yeah. You still have to and hit yeah. your shots. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, he, he had one round where he, he almost hit two hundred. He had a one ninety something. He almost hit five hundred one round. The, the, when we hit the 2139, he was high man with 440 something. Uh, Babe, Babe was the low man with 40, 402, I think. Tommy had 426, and Atkins and myself went 424. I don't know if that record will ever get touched. I'm pretty proud of it. We, you know, it was a special week. Yeah. Uh, but I guess no. Not, not anytime soon. They're gonna have to put something on the lanes to that was, make that uh, even a question. That was, yeah, that was pretty special. I, 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 I had a great time. I did all right for myself. I'm proud of myself. You know, I think of my dad. I get choked up. But one of the one of the most special moments was telling my father I made Channel Five. My dad uh, never got on Channel Five, and I think that's why he didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Because I've, I've tried to get him in a couple times, and that's what he's lacking on his resume. Because he has everything else: state championships, world championships, money matches against Charlie Jutras uh, back in the '60s, where he he won. Uh, well, uh, Sutton, uh, winning, winning to get on Channel 5 when I came home after winning that first time. He said, well, you didn't do too good today, are you? You're not, you're not saying anything. I, oh, you know, Dad, I did all right. He said, well, what'd you hit? Uh, seven, seven, nineteen. Wow. <laughs> well, what'd you, where'd you place, you know? He said, I won. You know, I won. And he couldn't believe it, you know. And, right. And I mean, back then you had to win. That was special because yeah. he never got that opportunity, so... Did he try out for the shows? Um, you know, when you go back to the 60s, that early in time, you weren't allowed to go to other bowling alleys and qualify. Right. You, you had, had to, to qualify on your own bowling alley, you had to come in top three in a roll-off, and then you could go to the finals. And Dad would never, Dad never chased it. Dad was never uh, that involved in the game, but he would be chasing things. Uh, so when he had his opportunity to try out, he did. And I even seen one, he was heartbroken. A guy threw a 90 back half to edge him out by a couple of pins with a double strike in there. I thought he was going to get on. and. I, I, he was so, so heartbroken in that 13 time, 13 second place finishes. But, he, you know, in, in the Worcester area in the 60s and 70s, uh, there, there was just so many great bowlers. Yeah. The numbers, you know, yeah. you had to beat somebody special to get on. Right. You know, so it was never easy. But, it, you know, regardless of the Channel 5, he had a great career. I think I think I did him did him right. He always told me his proudest moment was seeing me win the the high average at the world because I almost died when I was born. I had a severe esophagus problem. I couldn't swallow. It went through my rib cage. I was only seven days old and I almost didn't make it. Came very close to dying. And and then there it was, 1989, all these years later, and my son's 
high average. He's the best yeah. in the world this week. He always said that was his proudest moment. And that's what I was going to say, like, you know, yourself being a father whose son is, you know, a great bowler in his own right and, you know, won a lot of the, you know, I think still has a lot to win as well on top of what he's already won. Like the pride that you have, you know, imagine the pride that your father must have had watching you. I'm sure that was, I'm sure watching you on Channel 5 and, and the accomplishments you have is better than ever him ever making Channel 5 to himself. Uh, you it probably, you know, it probably because you always you always all want parents your kids. We're all exactly. parents, right? You you want nothing but the best exactly. for your kids. So so it was awesome. We you know, we got to do some fun things together. We made some noise, and uh, you know, I said it was a fun ride. It really yeah. was. It was special. And you gave to, a great honor too. Uh, uh, my wife's first mixed worlds, Harry's All Stars. Yes, right. You guys, yeah. And you know, we won we won Harry's All Stars the mixed teams with Johnny Boudreaux, Johnny Winchell, Jessica Stockton, Tina Ward, myself, my wife, Brandon Marks. We won it the, the, the year before my father passed away. Yeah, and, that's and, and I called him, and Dad, he didn't know that I had named the team Harry's All-Stars. So after we won, being all choked up and sentimental as I was, I called him, and I says, Dad, we won the mixed teams, you know? And he says, you're not, I said, you're not gonna believe what I called the team. I told him Harry's All-Stars. He used to have a team called Reno's All-Stars in the 60s. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I just took it from that. He said, well, we'll call it Harry's. So that was a nice, one nice last championship for him, you know, Yeah. before he had passed away. The Hall of Fame in this game is such a great... People have talked about it before where it's like... It's one of the few where the people voting don't already have all the stats at their beck and call. It's almost like, okay, well, what did he do? Like, it's kind of a weird... Well, you know, each member of the Hall of Fame committee is supposed to get a, a set of what is sent in. Right. Everybody is supposed to have that. that but know. any other sport, that information is all already available to those, to those yeah. voters. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean, you can, you can still look up the stats and see what people, you know, people have accomplished and got in. And, I mean, people have got in for different variety yeah. of things. I've seen people get in for TV appearances, uh, and some other people get in for for, for different things. Uh, you know, I, contributions to the game. But is, right, you know, they can only take so much and so many at a time. Yeah, I mean, you can only, you know, how how many? Where do you, you know, where do you draw the line on how many can go in at each? Induction, right? You know. And I've heard that with other sports too, where they say, you know, we and everybody is well fame. deserved. You yeah. know, they're all well deserved. They've all done great things in their own rights, and uh, you know, it must be tough to have to to refuse somebody. You know, but I, I you know, I, I respect the decisions that are made. Yeah, you know, I really do. I, I, I would never, I would never uh, bash or complain about any of it. Um, you know, no, I didn't get my way, or, you know, Dad didn't get in. I have great respect for all those people and the decisions yeah. that they make. Uh, they're, they're a class act, and they've been in the game a long time. And I'm happy for the people that get in. Right. You know, I wouldn't say there's anybody in there that probably doesn't belong. I think they have a... But you also don't want to make it the Hall of Very Good either, which I've heard other sports have that issue where they let up... You know, it's almost like retiring your, your number as a Celtic. I, yeah. think, I think everybody's got their number retired at this point. Somebody's going to go up there with number 406 at some right. point. Um, so they do try to keep that elite stat, but it, it's, uh, it is tough. And it's, it's going to be interesting. And I know it came up on a few other podcasts too where... 
TV appearances can't be the catch-all at a certain point because we're not going to have like, correct. The, what, but, you know, what, what are you going to use for your stats? Right. There's, there's no state tournament, right. right? Is there even a state tournament right now? Yeah, I, New so Hampshire's got no a pretty good one, I think. But Mass, I don't. Mass, uh, New Hampshire does well because you can bowl for both events. Yeah. Right, when you bowl, right? right? You're entered. I think you're entered in both. Bowls. Yeah. Right. Handicap and open. But a Mass is nothing and. Uh, you know, you're going to have to go by Easter Sunday in the World Championships. And right, singles events, yeah. Yeah. yeah, pro series. But like, you got to go with the, the big, the big tournaments. And it's like but, even you know, doing the candle pins, like, because at least you have some type of showcase. I know. Um, hopefully, in you, hopefully we, Alfie's I was gonna with candle pins for cancer goes well. That uh, that first taping was great. Do you know Jeremy still won't tell me who won? <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you either. <laughs> that was there, but it was a great match. <laughs> and I will tell you who went down to the last box. Yeah, all I said was, did Norcross make awesome. the finals? He goes, well, he was going to be in the finals. He was the last one. That's all I know. I can't <laughs> speak more than that. Some great tapings. And yeah. uh, Alfie did a great job, and he paid out a lot of money. Was it? Did the winner walk away with two grand? Yeah, $2,000. Yes, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I hate using the word only, but I'm going to use the word only. They only had 18 people roll off in that tournament. Correct. And they had $2,000. Correct. What happens if this thing starts taking off and you get 40, 50, 60 people rolling off? This, this next set of roll-offs is already starting to yeah, pick up. Fill and that's, up. that's yeah, what you we You got needed. a couple of different shifts and yeah. I think he needed to do that. Uh, the last one interfered. There was a bowlers go- uh, golf tournament. Yep. Uh, I think Dean Sullivan runs that one. He's this two years in a row now. So a lot of bowlers had attended that. I don't think all the bowlers really had all the info that Alfie was going to be paying more spots than just the TV spots. Did he pay 10 more? He, yeah, like he was down. He paid out people that just wow. bowled that day. If they listened to our episode. I know. We're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to get that. We, we literally, we had, we, re, we recorded that podcast and jumped the line on everybody else we had recorded just to get it out before they had the taping right. to see if we could get those I, I just up. think there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. Yeah. And I also, yeah. if I remember correctly, and again, not to point fingers at anybody, but if I remember correctly, when the roll-offs had happened, they didn't even, didn't even have the tape date yet. And that was one Probably of the issues true. that at least one bowler had. Again, we're going to have a shirt that says I'm not going to name names, but but a bowler had pulled out saying, I don't want to roll off, make the taping, and then find out later I right. can't make the taping for whatever reason. That's understandable. No, it 100% is. So yeah. I think, too, and I, and I say this with all love and respect, I think with anything, I mean, and I say this a lot because I've outrun the bear, and I know we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. You try to get better. And I think Alfie looked at what worked, and there was a lot that worked. A few things didn't work. How do you fix it moving forward right, and make it I, even better? I think that's, that's that goes with everything. It. Right. And you know? if you can look yourself yeah. in the mirror and say, where can we get better? With anything, I think I think this thing's only going to get better. I think, I, it's, I think so, too. It, it, it was, it's just a start. And I think once all the guys see exactly what the money's involved, that there is bonus money to be won, not, yeah. just, not just the first prize. Right. You know, you hit 400, you know, there's 100 bucks. You hit triple strike, there's 500 bucks. Yeah. Three marks in a row. I mean, how many trips to the bank did he go to? <laughs> and then Al- a couple. And then Alfie was even saying too that where how he gets a lot of the sponsorship money through his work, they might be expanding even further. And he's like, that's more right. that could go in. Obviously, a lot has to go for the for. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next taping. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'll be a little more prepared. You know, I just I don't. Know. I'm I thought, sure you did great. Nah. I, I think I mean, you should definitely try out for it. You're one of the top bowlers in the game. He you, sucks. You should definitely try out for it. <laughs> You say that. Can I you call st- your own I match? I still don't believe it. Can you call your own match? See you home with the <laughs> spread critical here. He's going to try to shoot the left side. 
And he missed. <laughs> You're very steady. Yep. Very, very steady competitive bowler. You can give yourself credit. You want uh, I don't, I don't do that. Self. Just ask him. I never do it. Yeah. No, only when you shoot the wood that's halfway on the other side of the lane. <laughs> <laughs> as, as long as there's not a... Sometimes. Is there... Now, what's the roll-off? Is it five string? Yes. You're fine. There's it no seventh strength. That's true. You're not going to get your seventh string knockout. That's true, too. <laughs> Every hour on the bear, he gets knocked out in the seventh round. You know, and I don't know how many prizes Alfie will pay if you got 50 bowlers. Yeah. You know, will he go pay 25 spots? He may right. pay, no, he may pay that many. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, that's what, what he's talking the about. The potential for what kind of money can be thrown around with this, I think. Yeah. It, 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 it it's can nice get... to see people like Bob Lee, like yourself, Danny, well, and, you. and like Alfie that it, that. It, and, and Freshie, who does the pro series, everybody's trying to do something to keep this great game going. Absolutely. It is a great game. It really is. And nobody's ever mastered it. Nobody ever will. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all strive to play it the best we can play it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's all we can do. I, I know for me, a lot of it is uh, coming into the game. I only started bowling probably seven, eight years ago. I think that's when you hired me, Jeremy, and it left me. Yeah, that was two, <laughs> that was two years earlier. Oh, was I bowling? Well, I wasn't. But I wouldn't consider that really bowling. I was okay. bowling in a house league, averaging like eighty, low high eighties, low nineties, or something like that. I wasn't taking the game seriously. But once I started working here, and I just felt very quickly the type of family that the Candlebin community was, yeah. and I knew I didn't know how at the time, but I knew I wanted to be a part of it. In some way, and I wanted to give it, you know, and and luckily, you know, Kate loves it as much as I do, if not right. more, and just we kind of put everything into it as much as we could. It's fantastic. So it really is. And as you said, and the, and the problem is when you start listing all the people who do things, we're missing so many people too that we're just forget. Like I always make the joke that there's not a tournament that exists or a league that ex- exists without Cheech's name somehow involved in it because <laughs> he and it always makes it better. But he's just always, yeah, he's always trying to help out where he can. Even. Right. There's a lot of different events going on now so there is there are definitely plenty of things to bowl in now and I do have a question for you that somebody had asked a question how to do with with the fierce competition how to do with the shoulder injury that you went through and trying to battle back and everything I know a lot of bowlers and hopefully one of them specifically is listening who maybe was like a 105 110 bowler a, a decade ago and now they're struggling to break 100 average you were averaging at one point 128, 130, and now you, you're not where you used to be and where you want to be. Correct. How do you, but you're still subbing on a league here every Wednesday, making a haul. How is it still fun for you to bowl when you're not bowling at the level that you were once upon a time? Where do you, where do you keep that drive it's, to keep bowling? It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> but how, what do you tell those bowlers that say, this isn't fun anymore, I want to quit? You know, I, I just, I still have the passion to bowl. I still have the love. I still love the people. I've had a lot of support through the years. Uh, I've had my ups and my downs, some really downs that I'm very sorry about, different things that have happened through my life. But uh, but I still love it. Yeah. I still love the sound. I love the smell. Uh, I just love everything about it, and I'm not ready to give it up. So all I can say is, you know, if you have any struggles, you can either reach out to somebody to maybe give you some advice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to make changes. I made changes. I went from four steps to three steps. Through the years, I've had to lower my arm swing. I can't, I can't go up as high with it anymore. I had two tears in my labrum about seven years ago when I turned 50. It caused me to stop bowling for a little while. And then once that felt better, I started bowling again. 
but I haven't been able to get it back together yeah. to get 115, maybe 117 for an average. I'm still struggling 105, 107. Well, in a lot of ways, you have to relearn how to bowl. You got to relearn, and, and it's not easy. Uh, just remember why you do it. Remember, remember why you do it. You do it because you love it. And I told that to Dean Sullivan this week. I said, I'm not having fun. I said, I need to learn how to have fun again. Yeah. That's the most important thing uh, for me at this point in time in my life. Is I just need to continue to just have fun. Just go out and yeah. have a good time with the guys. If I hit crap, I hit crap. It is what it is. You know? But if you're going to try to start over, if you're recovering from an injury, just try to stay positive. And that's, you know. that's kind of how I've always seen I never expect to take my game to that next level. Like, as much as I would love to, I just don't think it's in the cards for me. I don't, have, I don't think I have that caliber of talent to be where you once were or where Jeremy. You never, you know what, sometimes it just clicks. Well, I, and I'm not looking for this you, to be a pity you could party. See, you could see your average, though, Danny. You could end up being a solid 110, 112 average bowler. And I would you love know, to. Or, or 115, 117. Yeah. And I would, and I would love always to, room for improvement. And I would love to get there, and I do try to put the work in where I can. But for me, it's always been about just trying to have like the opportunity to sit and have this conversation with you. The friendship I've made with Jeremy over the years, which I wouldn't have if it wasn't for this yeah. game. That That's what keeps having, what keeps bringing me back week after week is that community that we have. One night a week won't do it. No. You need the ball a couple nights a week, and then you got to get some repetitions in yeah. on the weekend. And that's one of the reasons, too, like with the ACST, the semi-pro being able to travel and things like that in the pro league yeah. that um, I was able to bowl in one year. But just that ability to be around as many people as possible. And I just I feel like it's a very welcoming community. You'll learn by watching. You know, you'll see how shots are made. You know, you just yeah. you'll soak it. You know, you soak all that in. But it's, it's but it's doing it. It's doing right. It. It's that's what's going to make you better. And you'll get to a point where you where you max out. Right. You know, you'll find out how good you can get. But you have to put the time in. You know, it's not going to just come to you. You got to put right. the time in. Now you had talked about you mentioned relearning or you mentioned relearning. Woodrow um, had asked, you know, when you you hurt your shoulder and all that stuff, how how is your confidence? You know, during that transition time yeah. and in relearning how to bowl, because you said you went from a 128 to a 102, 103. I was struggling. I had no no arm control whatsoever. Uh, you know, other than other than that crazy year in '95 where I had that good <laughs> week at the Worlds, I started time to, to have a good week. I yeah. started to struggle, and uh, I had a hard time with it through the years. Uh, a lot of de- I've had depression issues because of because of it, because it's, it's hard. It's hard to go from one level and ne- and to lose it all and never get there again. Right. I never got there again. And uh, even though I bowled well, and I've had some, I've had some good, uh, you know, I've made some runs on some TV shows and made some appearances, I, you know, a couple second place finishes on the WCBC. I got two second place finishes on the Pro Series. I lost to Sarat and Boudreaux. <laughs> Can't complain. Man, I was about right? to say, I mean, well, those two guys, right? So I've I've been able to still compete, but I never I never regained that top level. And for me, I've had a hard time with that. It, 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 I've had a hard time with it, and that's just I, being honest. Um, I mean, I was never at that level. Never will be. But I, I went about five, six years ago. I was averaging 110 going into the end of December. And it was driving oh, yeah. me insane. Like, I, 
I knew I didn't want to quit. You were just coming back from COVID, though. No, no, right? no, 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 no. This was, years, this oh, was this about was, five, six oh, years ago. Oh, yeah. oh okay. And, and it just helped that you had a bunch of 90 house bowlers being like, I'd love to have a 110 average. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, for some reason, I just couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. And it was driving me nuts. And it was getting to the point where I'm like, yeah. Was it a competitive league? Sometimes it was this league. You bowl to what you're bowling with. I think, it was because, I think it was because he was working well. He was working well. Yeah. And even even here, even if I'm not working, if I see somebody going to clear a pin or I hear something jumbling in the bat, you're you're never you can't no, shut it off. Yeah, right. And right. that's one of the reasons. I mean, I love the people that bowled at Exeter, and I'm, and you're up there at Exeter this year. Getting away from where you work to bowl is fantastic yeah, because you can shut is, it off and just be the bowler. That's that what PJ said when I when I first started. That's a great. He, he goes, yeah. my old boss. He goes, I wouldn't bowl here. Yeah. Well, he he was the one who told me to go bowl at Fico's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he said I wouldn't. What you just said, I wouldn't bowl where I work. Where you work. So I right. went to Fico's, loved the league, and I said I think I'm going to stick around. And Concentration was different. And Timmy Fico said, Well, not that long. We're closing next year. And I was like, well, look, look at. I mean, look at look at Exeter this year. I'm like, oh great, I can relax. I don't have to watch my phone. I can go up and bowl after six strings. I was averaging 130. Yeah. See so, yeah. that. So being able to get away, yeah. and and you do well in in, in pro series events outside and, of here. And you're bowling against the best, which will bring out yeah. the best in you. You know, you can bowl to your, you can, you know, you even at the Worlds, uh, you both teams can fall asleep, you know? Yep. And, yeah. Uh, sometimes you can bowl if you're in a, in a, not in a competitive league, you won't bowl as well as you would be as if you were in a competitive league. So, you know, bowling against the best will bring out the best. I also think, too, when you're bowling with those, that better caliber bowler, not necessarily if it's the direct competition you have, but if you're if you're struggling, you're doing something, maybe you have a weird hitch in your release or something like that. Another great bowler may come over and say, "Hey, I noticed you weren't doing this last year. Now all of a sudden you're turning your wrist over. Is there a reason for that?" Mm. You go, "I didn't even realize I was, I doing, was that. doing that." Right. Where you're never going to get that bowling in some house league where you, the competition's not there and they're not really noticing that. They're noticing what IPA is on draft. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, apparently we have Wicked Hazy now. We do have Wicked Hazy <laughs> on sale for six fifty at Ryan's. Oh my God, is it six fifty? It's six fifty. Wow. I'm not you know, be before we well, shut down, you know, it, you know, thank you guys for having me tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, Tim Mataro and Josh Daly and that entire team, McGinty, all those guys, Nate Lees, uh, on a great job uh, last week, as well as uh, the Bowling Ball Mafia uh, with Chris Mel, Brian Purdy, and all those guys. Uh, they put on a great exhibition of bowling all week long, and uh, they very, you know, they definitely deserve to be in the finals. Uh, and uh, into you know Tim Matero, uh, Tim was starting out the day on Saturday on the bench, and when he got his chance and they put him into the lineup, they had to leave him there because he bowled lights out. Yeah. And he's one of the veterans in the game, so that was nice to see, and to see Craig Holbrook and Bobby Witt and Johnny Winchell, some older veterans, make the final four. You know, I, I, I'm a little jealous. You know, I I, would, I wish I could still have that type of talent to be able to compete you know like that but I'm so happy for them yeah uh, I really love those guys and uh, Tim Tim is one of those guys and I don't awesome. know how many I can only think of three uh, there's probably might, might be some Canadians too that has a 200 a 500 and an 800 yeah he's he's uh, he's, he's 
he's been a great bowler. I remember his first year in the world. Um, like, who the heck is this little guy? You know? I mean, he he's had a lot of energy. We had Nate on the podcast. And he, and he did real well in the singles in his first year. He, he ended up, Jeff Atkins knocked him out. And I think Jeff lost to Babe in the finals that year. I think Babe's won the singles event two or three times. Just amazing. But, uh, yeah, so I've known, I've known Tim. I got the ball with him one year, and he ended up getting sick. So I didn't get to really have the... He's a funny guy, and uh, yeah. uh, he makes a great teammate for whatever team he's on. And I was really happy for him to see him bowl so well. Well, that's what I was going to say. When we had Nate on the podcast and he listed the 27 people on his team, uh, when he mentioned Tim Matero, <laughs> I had to say, see if anybody caught that. And I said, you know, is that going to be something? Like, he has a relatively young team. I said, is that going to be somebody, having Tim on your team, that you can kind of lean on? Because he's a relatively new captain. Nate said he, you know, he's trying to figure it out on his own as well. Yeah. I think he figured out something pretty well. But I said, you're going to lean on a guy like Tim to, to help you almost be like a co-captain. He said, absolutely, because you have that veteran leadership. To, yeah. What are you, are you seeing something I'm not seeing? And, I mean, didn't hurt, no. <laughs> obviously. No, not at all. No. So, I mean, there was some, I, I know there were no Canadians up there, but there were still some solid teams up there. Yeah, we definitely missed the Canadian bowlers. Uh, they've had some great champions through the years. They've got some amazing talent up there. Uh, you know, we need them in the game. We, need, you know, to yeah to to make it the the big event that it right. that it truly is. You, you need them, you know. Right, and they're they're just itching to get back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say for any American team, there's a lot of pride there. You know? We have to make sure I an mean, American team has to take it home, because if they've done Worlds two years in a row without the Canadians, and then the Canadians come down and win, we will never hear the end of it, guys. <laughs> we will never hear the end of it. I don't care if we have to stack a team or figure it out. We have to take the title home. <laughs> always take pride in that, yeah. you know, and I, I've always taken pride when we bowl them during the week. You know, if there's a way, if there was, you know, I always wanted to be a Canadian counterpart. Yeah. It's a pride factor, you know, right. and you have great respect for each other. Uh, you know, Tony LeBlanc, uh, Donnie Goche, Robbie Henderson, Chris Hallett. Those guys are, are some of the greatest champions yeah, Robbie, of, of Rob, that tournament. Robbie and Chris were the was my introduction to like the, the really good. Yeah. Um, Robbie Canadian, Canadian always bowlers. gave me the wow factor. I love watching that kid bowl. What a wind up and and what a just like a shotgun. Yeah. You know when he let it go. Those those two and you mentioned the Wafu Pirates earlier. Jerry Dunn was, yeah, was another Jerry, one. Jerry, yeah. And another it's funny because my wife, fireballer, you know. My geez. wife went up with me to Canada that year, and then the only team she remembers out of any anybody. Like if I mentioned Jerry Dunn's name and then the Wafu Pirates, she said, "Oh, I remember them." It's <laughs> <laughs> a great name though. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, it is. I think it stood for "We're All Effed Up." Yeah. Oh, it that's is. phenomenal. That's even better. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> I figured it was like a, a tribe were, or something. No. They were champions team yeah. over and over. They lulled you into uh, some false Nate sense of security. And Matt McPhee and, and those guys are just great, 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 great bowlers. They and they're good people too. So it's, you know, the competition is it's still as strong as ever. There's still some great teams that bowl now that could compete with my era uh, without without blinking an eye. You right. know. 
So it's nice to see that we still have that. Right, and you have guys like Calvin and Adam Melanson yeah. and uh, Matt Harnett. Matt, Matt Harnett. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still. I know, I know there was a thing that got posted a couple days ago about women bowling in the event. And I know we didn't have uh, a true worlds this year or last year. Uh, hopefully we'll have it next year. Uh, you know, I've, I, you ain't gonna get a lot of the old school bowlers that are gonna want to just keep it a men's world. It's and, just, it's just different. It's, it's a different time now. Uh, but, but if you want to call it the World Calipin Team Championship, I, I feel the best bowler, whether she's a guy or a girl, doesn't matter. If I can, if if I can get the best bowler in the game, you're she's to, a female. You're trying to win. Exactly. I want to win. Exactly. I want her on my team. Because exactly. I mean, I'll tell you right you now. Know, it's a, Maddie has has proven herself. I mean, Maddie's I watched I watched her single handedly right next to me. Yeah. Throw four hundred nine, and then she was on pace to throw another four hundred against us at Exeter, and she kind of she didn't have a great third string, but I mean, she was on pace. She was four hundred nine, yeah. then like one thirty, one thirty, and I'm going. And I text him. I'm like, she's going to go back to back four. Yeah. Yeah. She's just she's well. She takes after her parents. I mean, her father Bob was just. Oh, she fires it just like her father. And her mother was great and. Uh, and she's she's got it in, in the genes, and she's got the love for yeah. the game. You've got to have that passion. You do. You do. You do. Absolutely do. And you look at them, and this is somebody that we're planning on having uh, very soon as well as Lori Lewis. She bowls with against guys all the time. She's yeah. a guy's tournament. She'll sign up. Yeah. She doesn't care. She'll yeah. bowl against anybody. She bowled a few games this week. Yeah, I congratulated her. She, she's she's uh, become one of the top female bowlers the last few years. Yeah, I, remember, I mean, she's been around a while. Yeah, I remember. You know, I can remember her coming up, and uh, she's she's putting on a great show now. She's and obviously she's got the passion. She loves the ball, and uh, you know, to me, if, if you know, the guys, you know, you're gonna have some guys that are old-fashioned. They're gonna want to keep it uh, uh, men's. But uh, a true world championship means the best of the best. Yep. Yeah, I had this conversation. It shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't matter, matter who you it are. It shouldn't matter. I had this conversation with Amy Doobie, and I said, you know, if, the, if anybody's upset about it because they're going to take a spot away from them, like my thought on it, which was my same thought when I didn't get drafted for Exeter, is too bad, bull better. Like that, yeah, like right. if, you didn't, if, a, if a woman got a spot over you, yeah. bull better. That, yeah, you know, and same I, as if a guy got it over you. It doesn't, exactly. It's just bull better. That's all. That's so, all it is. It, it's, uh, they, they deserve it. They deserve it. You know, it, it's, it's hard. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of uh, big things for the women. Right. Uh, you know, it's been that way for a while. Right. And they, that's, an, that's and another they, factor. They deserve, they deserve all the respect that they can get because they, they love the game. They have the passion. In the, in the will to be champions and, just and, as much as the guys. And why are you kicking out somebody who loves the right. game, who's obviously right. talented enough to bowl but, against anybody? Correct. But like he, just, he like Steve just said, there's not a lot of stuff for the women yeah. to do. So that's what I'm saying. So you're basically telling them, get out of the game, essentially. That, that's what that's, what, that's what's left. Is, right. I, you know, they, they deserve the, the yeah. support. But whatever, you know, whatever is decided in the future, is, 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 it'll be what it is, right. you know? Right. But, uh, you know, they, they have the, the respect and the passion, just like, and the love, just like the guys, right. you know? 
so Jeremy right. usually has a recap question at the end, but I think you already answered it. Uh, yeah, I Could be. <laughs> I, yeah. Thanks for I, again for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on Meet yeah, the World. No, this, this was an absolute pleasure. I mean, you're another one that we could definitely have on a second yeah. time. We're gonna. Do, there's definitely gonna be a part where we do a second I mean, round. We, we could have I would three, love that. I would love that. We could have a three-hour episode of just going through the binders you brought in. And yeah, you know? <laughs> there's a lot of good, good different things in there, you know. So. And we'll definitely do that again, so thank you so much. Uh, Danny, thank you. Jeremy, I appreciate it. I hope you guys bowl well. Danny, we have a match tomorrow. Yes. Uh, I'll see you by tomorrow the time this airs at Bogey Lanes. Yeah, by the time this airs, everyone will hear how you whooped me, I'm sure. So. <laughs> we'll have fun. Wow. I mean, just just another, another great interview. So much stuff that we just didn't get to. That one pulls on your heartstrings a little bit, too. It really does. So, it really does. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Steve and his dad were, were so close. Steve and his son are so close, too. It, it's really, really good to see that bond. It just it reiterates not only where you can't open, you know, bowling family, but how many families are involved in the game. And just you can see, you know, that, uh, that connection, that bond that they had. And I think, you know, the game of Candlepin only made it that much stronger. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And you know, some of the numbers that he was throwing out. Yeah. Of what he did in like a five, six year span is yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is. I mean I, I said it to him, I know he, he was a little humble about it and said he didn't necessarily agree, but I've heard people say that in that late eighties, early nineties stretch you could put him at the top of the list of, of the top scores in the game. I, I mean you're you're telling me you averaged you averaged 130 in the late 80s, early 90s. I'm yeah. sorry, but like the game's best bowlers were still bowling. Right, and that's the thing. He was going up against the best of the best. That's a that's a tough uh, field to crack and make a name for yourself, and he for sure did. So yeah. great to see that he's still bowling, and I know he's got some frustrations. Uh, we did mention on the podcast that we, he said, tomorrow you know, you'll be coming to bogey to bowl me, and I said, you're going to whoop me. He sweat me. Jerk. <laughs> I thought about just deleting this podcast because I was rude. I mean, right after we finished talking to him, I went on to bowl him, and yeah, I mean, he bowled really well. Yeah, so maybe uh, some some of the things he talked about, he <laughs> inspired him to uh, to find the ball. I know he's still not where he was, obviously, in that stretch, and I know that that's got to be frustrating. But uh, you know, it's good to see him still compete. I think anybody, I, I know it's a frustrating game. I know uh, we, we bring him up a lot, but a guy like Det, who's you know 117, that Madley's on a 128. It's uh, it's great to to see guys from that generation still competing and still caring tremendously about the game. No, I agree. So, what do we have uh, from this weekend that was uh, exciting? So, we had Aaron St. Cyr hit his first 400, which I, it shocks me. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm not going to lie to you. My first thought was, he doesn't have one yet. I mean, I don't have one, so I'm not, like, putting him down. But I just He's a hell of a bowler. I can't believe that that one escaped him. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty surprised at that. So, yeah, he went 141, 120, 145 for a 406. Very nice. And it's good to see, too, that it's not like he threw, you know, not that it's bad to ever do this, but he didn't throw, like, a 175, then, you know, right. you know, just basically fall over the finish line for a 400. Like, he battled every game. Like, it was a very consistent 400. Um, so, congratulations to Aaron uh, for your first 400. Um, I hear once you get one, they become easier to get. So they say that. They say that. Um, someday, maybe I'll find out. For some people, true. that might be true. <laughs> we'll see if that that actually holds uh, weight. Um, we were uh, lacking a little bit. There was um, a youth tournament up in New Hampshire. It had bowlers from all over. Um, I don't know if they had the Canadians there this year, but it did have bowlers from uh, Maine, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Uh, Want to give some of the scores there? Uh, basically, so it's a uh, third. 13 string all event. So there's five for doubles, uh, five for singles, and 
three for teams. So just to put it into uh, some type of context, um, the scores you're hearing is over the course of 13 games that they're, they're throwing. Unfortunately, I don't know the age groups. Um, Division one is the, the youngest kids, and I believe Division four, um, you have to be under 18 or at least a senior in high school or something like that, Correct. that age group. So I uh, wanted to give some of the highlights from that, and of course, congratulations to the winners. Um, for the girls, Division One, um, we had, and if I pronounce your name wrong, I am so sorry, but I do it to everybody, so take it uh, as is. It looks like, I don't know if it's Denicia LeBlanc out of Bolarama went 10.52, Brianna Ricci out of Academy Lanes went 9.52, and Charlotte Ferreira went 9.18 also out of Academy Lanes. Those are the youngest uh, girls. Yep. I think they're like under seven or eight. Um, again, I wish we had the uh, age group on here. This was a bowling alley. I have no idea where it is. I'm hoping you do. The first place was Tatum Loans out of Pajos Bowling Alley. P-A-J-O. Do you know what that is? I have to say that I actually don't. It is. Oh, that is a Canadian. It's, a, it's out of Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. Oh, nice. So we did have a Canadian there, and it looks like they uh, they took it home uh, for that one. So 1334, so averaged over 100, and I, I got to guess the age group's got to be 12 at this point. Yeah, probably. Navia Hussey out of Stars and Strikes with a 1276, and Bailey Jacques, again, I, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, out of Academy Lanes with a 1257. Girls Division Three. I'm going to guess is about probably 15 years old. This is all guessing, so I apologize. We have Julia Jones out of Academy Lanes with a 1311. Caitlin Touchette out of Stars and Strikes with a 1241. And Zoe Hahn out of Pajos Bowling Alley with a 1235. And lastly, with the girls' division four, we have Jenna Ward. So she's the champion of the year for uh, for the girls. For I'm going to read her whole score just because she had the, the highest. Out of Stars and Strikes went 1479 over 13 strings. Nice. So for a uh, five-string single, she went 544 for a five string doubles 596 and then 339 a team so she lit it up so good for her uh, she beat the competition by over 100 pins because in second place was Abby Peterson out of Bolarama with a 1355 and Alyssa Kaufman out of Academy Lanes with a 1332 um, 1479 I mean 100 pins that's 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 crazy that's good for every, her yeah that's just keeping everybody in your rearview mirror uh, the boys again I think it's division one's got to be like eight division twos, I think about 12, three is probably about 15, and then four is uh, 18. Unfortunately, I don't have more information on that. So, uh, again, for Division One, Avery Cobe out of Bogey Lanes with 11.04, Mason Hammond with a 10.85, and Max Poland with a 10.78. Uh, Division Two, we have Wyatt DeSell out of Bogey Lanes with a 13.39, Matthew Smith, 13.16, and Cody Tompkins out of Academy Lanes with a 12.38. For Division Three, we have Devin Cloyd out of Academy Lanes with a 13.60. Actually, we have a tie. So I don't know if there's a tiebreaker in this or how that works, but we do have a tie. Uh, Devin Cloyd out of Academy Lanes and Jason Doobie out of Big 20, both with 13.62s. Nice. And then Max uh, Levesque uh, out of Academy Lanes with a 13.44. Uh, Max is actually... Uh, Tony Levesque's son, I believe. Yes, he's he's been here a few times. Yeah, so and so in a ACST semi pro bowl. Unfortunately, he's in the north. I'm in the south, so we won't get a chance to bowl okay. each other. But I know he used to he used to come in 
Friday, like Friday nights, oh, yeah? he, he would do the the unlimited bowl. Yeah, him him and the family would come down. We talked. Did not know that. Yeah. So I mean, it looks like his son is another up and comer. So I'm sure uh, at some point he'll be whooping me in the semi pro division. Probably. <laughs> so, uh, and then for the uh, boys, I'm going to read this in uh, opposite order because I didn't think of it earlier. Uh, in third place, Trevor Kennison out of Bogey Land. Bogey really came up big. I mean, that's a hike for them. I think coming yeah, up from the did. West Coast. Thirteen oh seven. Alex Ramos out of Academy Lanes. Again, another house that we've been rattling off a lot. 13-23. And you want to talk about uh, beating the field. Wyatt Light at a big 20. 15-03. Beat his closest competition by 180. 567 singles, 562 doubles, 374 teams. Jesus. So uh, it's really, really good to see the young kids that are, I mean, how long ago was it that, you know, Charlie Collins was on this list? Josh Daly was on this list. Dave Godwin was on this list. Uh, Boudreaux wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And now they're the stars of the game. So hopefully, uh, you know, maybe, uh, if, if, Jeremy, if you and I are doing this podcast five years from now, we'll have, uh, out of the, what do we name, three, six, nine, 12, 24 kids. <laughs> maybe one of these kids will be sitting across the table from us telling us uh, about what the game is like today. No kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how much then I'll be making funny for being old. Uh, but at that point, I'll probably shave my head. And <laughs> I've already gone that route. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on. You hold it. I can't. I couldn't. I would, I'm holding on. I keep telling my wife. I'm like, God. he pulled the gray out of my hair and, and my head, and that was it. I just see. There's no really gray up here. It's all in, in my beard. beard. It's I'm in the beard. In the beard. Although it's, I was shaving my head the other day, and uh, I looked inside the um, the container there because I got one of those vacuum ones, and I'm like, there's so much gray. Apparently, right behind my left ear. I had like a patch that I asked Kate. I was like, I said, did you know about this? And she said, yes. And why didn't you tell me? She goes, I saw how mad you got when I pulled that one out of your head. See, so. I don't, I don't notice as much as when I go to get my hair cut and you know, it just they, falls. It just falls down on like the apron thing that they give you. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my god, there's so much gray. Oh, it's so bad. It hides in there pretty well. And then they laugh at me. Because <laughs> I'm sure they deal with it all the time. See, I just do my own. I'm, I'm cheap like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously, congratulations. I would love to sit here and read every name. I heard there was. Was over a hundred bowlers that bowled in this tournament, and it would be phenomenal to, to give them all the credit that's due. Um, but you know, they they did a you know great job going up there to New Hampshire and bowling in that youth tournament. Um, I think there was two thousand dollars worth of scholarship money given out um, for what we were told. I so, think so. Um, great job on them. Great job on uh, you know the parents for you know I think the parents don't get enough credit too of you know going to the kids' league every day, signing them up, paying the bills, driving them out. Like it, it, it's a lot of work that they're doing out there and uh, takes everybody to, to get it going. So again, hopefully we see these kids uh, sitting across from us in the, on a podcast down the road. Yeah, so. I, I very much agree. Um, I'm trying to think. I Fortunately, I don't know who the King of the River is. I saw Mike Pelchat with the sign, but I don't know if I saw that, if it was a last week sign. I don't remember seeing anybody else holding the sign recently. I don't either. Ever since Eddie got his dog, I have no idea what's happening up there. <laughs> Or his baby. I don't want to say it's his baby. So uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We have the Pro Series coming up Sunday. Yep, we do have the Pro Series coming up Sunday. Uh, CPL, that's a 10-stringer, five upstairs. CPL, 10-stringer, and then next Sunday, the 5th. Sorry, the Sunday after that, the 5th, we have the spare time 10-stringer also. Nice. So that's exciting. Scratch, I believe. The extra league got... uh, postponed how that or are you just bumping back a week I, th- I mean a month I think we're bumping back a month okay I don't think anything has been stated as to when 
that's going to be made up or anything? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and again, this is going to be a shirt at some point. We don't want to name names. Um, for you know, some people posted about it, and obviously, there's no. Um, no, nothing disrespect meant, but it's like you know, COVID is, is starting to hit us yeah. again, and, and not just in the bowling community, it's hitting the schools. It's hitting you know, you said a couple people at your work. Um, so be safe out there. Uh, make make smart decisions. If you feel a little stuffy or run down or whatever, uh, stay home, <laughs> get tested. Just make the smart decisions. I'm not you know in uh, in favor of of telling you how to run your life, but just be uh, be smart, be safe out there, and. Uh, this is Aaron Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving.